Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. talk with you about who your neighbor is, and I'm going to give you some practical steps on how you can actually love them. Because at the end of the day, my brothers and sisters, it's much easier than we put it out to be. It's much easier than we think it is to love our neighbor. If you, are ta- if you um, have your Bible, I want, to, I want to go right into this scripture and I share it with you. I mean, this is going to be our theme for the entire series, uh, which we'll have one more uh, part of this uh, next week, I believe. I'm going to be reading from Luke 10, Luke 10, verses 25 through 29, and then I'm going to tell you the story uh, behind that uh, after I'm done with that. This scripture is in your notes, so if, uh, if you have your notes there, you'll find that scripture. This is what it says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, right, do this and you will live. But the man The man wasn't satisfied with that answer because, you know, he had to give the answer. He wanted Jesus to give him something deep. So he says, and who is my neighbor? Truth of the matter is this guy was trying to find a scapegoat so that he didn't have to serve anybody who didn't look like him, so that he didn't have to love anybody who didn't believe what he believed, so he didn't have to love anybody who wasn't from his hood so that he didn't have to love anybody who wasn't of his sexual preference. He was trying to find a scapegoat. But Jesus turned it on him, and he says this. He tells him this story. I want to read this from the message version. I want to make it plain for you today. This is Luke 10, 29 through 36. This is how Jesus responds, and I love it. Jesus answered by telling him a story. And the story goes like this. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, went off leaving him half dead. But luckily a priest was on his way down the road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. He didn't want to have anything to deal with this guy. Then all of a sudden the Levite, a religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. And then a Samaritan was traveling down the road, and he came on him. Let me stop there for those who may not be 
familiar with this particular text. You see, Jewish people and Samaritans hated each other. And, and, and oftentimes, we would always point the finger at the Jews who hated the Samaritans, but it was on both sides. See, Samaritans hated Jews because they hated them first, and it was like, well, you hate me, and I hate you. Well, you hate me first. Well, I hated you second. Well, I don't like you. And so they hated each other. There was this, this, this turmoil and tension between the two. So they were two hated people, two hated groups of people. Jewish people didn't like Samaritans because they considered them half-breeds because the, the, the Samaritans intermingled with uh, other races and other uh, uh, nationalities. They were considered impure. And Samaritans hated Jews because they thought they were the best of everything, and their nose was in the air, and, and that they had it going on. So these were two groups of people that clearly hated each other. And Jesus says, a Samaritan traveling down the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition... Let me tell you who the man is. When he saw his enemy, the, the, the person he's supposed to hate, when he saw that man's condition, his heart went out to him, and he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. I dare you just for a second, because I know all of you in this room are people of love. Can you imagine you are, uh, participating in a march or something for social justice, right? And, and there's a group of people who can't stand you, who hate you. Let me just get in your face. There's a group of, let's say, uh, white supremacists, white supremacists that don't like you, and they're calling you all kind of names. And if you, if you associate with them people, they're calling you names too. They hate you. They're despised people. Can you imagine after this rally, after they've called you out, you encounter one of them hurt? How many of you would be this Samaritan? Can I be honest? Can I be honest? Can I be transparent? I would help him with my foot to his gut. It's wrong of me to say, but I just want you to know that I'm not asking anything of you that I don't ask of myself. Even I have to grow. Even I have to be stretched because as I see this, I see history. As I see this, I still feel the pain of my ancestors. So when I see this person, it's very hard for me to stop and say, you know what? Even though you just called me the N-word, you called the people I love who were supporting us N-word lovers, even though you, you, you just totally disrespected me, it would be hard for me to say, are you okay? It would. And I'm not alone. I know y'all are holy, but it would be very hard for you holy people to even do it. And th th this is the exact same scenario that Jesus puts right in the face of this lawyer. Two people, two groups hate each other, but the Samaritan stops. He doesn't dial 911. He doesn't yell for help. He himself disinfects this cat's wounds, puts him on his donkey. He walks to get this man to an inn breaks out his American Express and says, put it on my tab. I'll be back, and if it costs anything more, I will do that. Would you do that for somebody you know that hates you? Doesn't that get in your face? Because that's, it gets in your face because that's the example that Jesus uses to say who your neighbor is. Your neighbor is your enemy. 
Your neighbor is the person that you don't get along with. Your neighbor is the person that's completely different from you. Your neighbor is the person that don't listen to the same jams you listen to. Your neighbor is the person that you don't associate with. Your neighbor is the same person that don't love Jesus as much as you do. Your neighbor is a Muslim, is a Buddhist, is an atheist. Your neighbor is all of them. Can you love them? That's a hard one for me, y'all. It's, it, it's supposed to be easy and practical, right? But when it comes to your face, the reality of it is, it's probably one of the most difficult things there is for us to do, but it is yet the most important. It is the essence of who we are as Christians. Not how often you attend church, not if you've been baptized. Not, listen, not, not, not if you're a leader of a small group. Not if you do outreach and how much money you give or your time. If you do all of that but don't love your neighbor, watch this. Let me tell you what happens. Watch this. this is, I'm about to really get in your face. Watch this. This is how deep this is. You can do all of that. You can attend church. You can sing in the choir. You can, heck, I'm, I'm going to stretch it. You can be a pastor, right? You can do all of these things. But Galatians says this, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. It even goes further to say, watch this, if you, how can you love God whom you cannot see but hate your neighbor that you see every day? Now, some of y'all are like, I don't hate my neighbor. Well, if you, in, if you ignore them and you're not intentional about engaging with them, a tra- another translation defines that as hate. See, there's no gray area. You love or hate. We create it like. We, we created like because we wanted to be like that lawyer to justify ourselves for not having to love. No, there's either love or hate, according to the Bible. Man created like. So if you are not intentional about loving your neighbor and, and being all up in their business and being the first responder to their needs, then you might as well say you hate your neighbor. But how can you love a God you cannot see and hate your neighbor that you see every day? It's all right. It's all right. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there today. We're going to get there today. This is so important. This is repeated Old Testament and New Testament. This is so important that, 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 that Paul says to the, to the church in, in, in Galatia that for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Out of all 613 commands from the Old Testament and the thousands of laws that Jews created themselves to make sure that they didn't break the 613 laws or commands God set forth, out of all of that, the most important one is love your neighbors. Okay, in other words, that's a big deal to God. And it's not a superficial, yeah, I know my neighbors, so just, so, 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 so today I'm going to help you out. Uh, can I get a little music, please? I'm going to help you out. Because I love you. If you have one of these sheets, I'm not going to tell my wife's business, but I did very well. But let me tell you why. I'm an extrovert. I don't know a stranger. I get in the business of everybody. For one, I want to make sure if I go out of town, you can watch my crib and I'll watch your crib. Secondly, you know, maybe you have a garden and I might need some tomatoes or something. And I, I'm still one of those people that still believe in borrowing sugar, right? 
Come on, that happens. Someone, I mean, really, you have you have people over, and maybe you, you know, you didn't make it to the store to get eggs, but you need to make that cornbread. I want to knock on my neighbor's door and say, "Hey, can I borrow an egg? I got, I'm making some cornbread. I'll bring you a slice or two. Let me get some eggs." You know, I'm, I'm still one of those type of neighbors. My wife hates it. I love it because I get to know my neighbors. So when I did this, let me see. I knew five of my neighbors, first first name, and four first and last. I knew something deep about two, and and maybe two and a half, one and a half, because I don't know if that other thing I knew about one neighbor was really deep or it was just that obvious. I don't know. But anyway, and then um, the second one was really easy. You know, you can you can. Before you even know their name, you could say something about your neighbors. If you're nosy like I am, I know I'm a nosy neighbor. If I hear a car drive by, I'm looking up. You know, I just want to see who it is, what's going on. If I recognize that car, you know, I'm one of those people that has pride in the subdivision, and I just don't want no riffraff, right? So anyway, I want to make you feel good. Here's what the studies show. Typically, 10% of the people in this room and anywhere who took this survey, 10% of the people can do all of number one. 10% can write the first and last name of eight of their neighbors. That's what the study shows, only 10%. That's a small number, right? 3% can do number two. Only 3% of the people can completely do number two. Here's some other news. Less than 1% can do number three. Less than 1% can do number three. That's deep, right? Because we don't know our neighbors. I know I had y'all do this with the membership here. You know how many people you knew in the church, and even y'all did bad on that. That was sad, and it's like, you know, a small group of us. You know, gated communities is a new concept. There's some, that, it, it, that wasn't a big thing back in the day. I mean, sure, we see cities that had gates and stuff if we look at Old Testament and, and, we, and, and if you do some history stuff. But in, the, in America, gated communities where you're shedding people out is sort of new. This is why we wonder, like, we think about when we grew up, right? Mom and dad can say, hey, y'all go outside and you don't come home until when? Come on, y'all are great. You didn't come in until the, you had to get there before the lights came on. You could go and run. Why? Because your parents knew your neighbors, right? And, and if you played so long and you were by your friend's house and the, and the friend's parents said, hey, Johnny or whoever, come on in and get something to eat. Who is that with you? Oh, that's Olivia's grandson. You want something to eat too? There was a time where that happened, right? That time is not today. What happened? What happened? And now this is not the time to figure that out, but what happened? We got to get back to the place of being intentional with our neighbors. I want to be able to send my kids, and y'all do too, send your kids. Just go play in the neighborhood, and you feel great, feel secure. Matter of fact, watch this. Even if your kid acted up, right, your neighbors have permission to handle business, right? I'm a witness. I mean, if I got, if I got listen, if I got caught doing something I wasn't supposed to do, well, I'm, I'm going to get disciplined where I got caught doing what I was not supposed to do, and then they were going to call by the time I got to grandma's house, Olivia, I saw, my nickname is Brody, I saw Brody, ooh, we, he was, you know, writing graffiti on something, whatever bad I was doing, I can't tell you everything I did bad, because <laughs> y'all are too judgmental, but I was doing something bad, and by the time I got, 
not even to my grandma's house, but by the time I got to my great aunt's apartment, which is before my grandma's house, she knew about what I did. Come over here, and she, she going to whack me one. Then I got to get to grandma's house, and she's going to whack me one. By the, listen, I've, done, I've been disciplined three times for something I did. Nowadays, you, you, you raise your voice at somebody else's kid. They want to they wanna fight. And I'm telling y'all right now, I'm giving y'all license. If my kids are acting up, straighten them out. Please, help me. Help them. Help us all. You got complete authority to, to, to handle it, you know? I don't think any of y'all are too abusive. I don't know. I don't know you. Y'all got to get to know you, see if you're my neighbor or not. But you have a right to discipline my children because it's, I, I firmly believe in the African proverb. It takes a village to raise a kid, to raise a family, to raise a child. I firmly believe that. Here's what I want you to do. I want to share this with you. We don't love our neighbors with the intentional purpose just to convert them. We don't, we don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we've been converted. This is why we love our neighbors, not to convert them, not, not because there's a hidden agenda. We love our neighbors because we've been changed. We've been converted. God has done something amazing in our hearts, and he says that we have to do it. So we love our neighbors because we've been converted. How do we move ourselves and others from strangers to acquaintances to significant relationships? Well, you have to start. If you're taking notes, let me help you. The first thing you must do is start with prayer. That's your first note if you're taking notes this morning. You want to start with prayer. Begin praying over your neighbors. You don't have to. You know, matter of fact, pray about what God wants you to say to them. Because I know some of you, we, we got some introverts in the house, and you just, you know, you like being by yourself, and you don't want to go out and be intentional about reaching out to your neighbors. But pray that God gives you the words. Pray that God creates a situation where you have to speak to them where you have to engage them in conversation. Amen? Here's the second thing you must do. It's pretty tough, all right? You got to talk to your neighbor, right? I gave the example last, last week about sometimes, you know, you see your neighbor out there, and you know your neighbor, like, talks a lot, and you know they're going to stop you and want to talk, and so you grab your phone like you're on it, but you're really not. You're like, yeah, hey, I'm on the phone. I, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. And you go up in your garage and never come back out to get back to him. I was talking with uh, my wife yesterday, and one of my dear friends was uh, by the house yesterday, and so she, she was uh, on the phone with my wife, and she got home, and she's, like, uh, trying to keep having a conversation, but she realized, like, you know what, my neighbors are out talking, and it seems like they're waiting for me to get out the car so that I can engage them in conversation. <laughs> so, but she did the right thing. She hung up and engaged them in conversation. Some of y'all are like that. Neighbors be out there talking, they're like, oh, there's so-and-so. Come on and join the conversation. But y'all are in a hurry. We're going we're gonna to talk about that in a minute. I'm going to help y'all deal with hurriedness because Jesus was never in a hurry. He was always available. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here's the third thing you must do. Ask them out to a meal. Ask them out or over for a meal. Ooh, yeah, y'all like, ooh. That means I got to clean the house. I got to cook for them. And I, it's, oh, that's just too much work. Do it. And here, watch this. And it's not all in the same day. It's a process. You don't pray for them, and then the same day, okay, I prayed. Now you see them. Hey, let's talk. Hey, come on for dinner. Because they're not coming. Man, you crazy? We've been living next to each other for five years, and now you want me to come to your house? Mm-hmm. Something's going on. There's some fishiness. 
But literally, over time, over time, maybe you start with, you know what, we see each other all the time, and I'm trying this new recipe on these cookies, and I wanted to share some with you. Tell me what you think. I'll see you. If they had a baby, maybe take them a fruit basket or something, huh? or, or cook a meal for them, you know? Even if they dump it, it's the, it's the you know, in which that happens. Y'all know that, right? Your neighbors brought you something, and you took one bite, and you're like, oh, wow. You throw it away, they see you next time. You're like, how was it? it was, Nobody make that like you make it. Let's just say that. I've never had casserole made that way. I tell you, you did something special to that. Thank you. <laughs> it's the gesture that counts. Amen? Invite them over for a meal. And if you don't want to cook, add it to your budget. Hey, why don't we meet out somewhere? And, and maybe it's not the whole family. Maybe it's the men meet with the men or the women and say, hey, we're having a girlfriend's night. Why don't you come hang out with us? I would love to get to know more about you. We see each other every day. But we don't hang out. Oh, you have a kid. I have a kid too. Let's get them together and let's play. You know what I mean? It's simple stuff. It's very practical what I'm giving you. And it's like, oh, it's not that deep, Pastor. It's not meant to be. The deep part is actually the love part. Here's the third thing, the fourth thing. Reach them with service. Reach them with service. My neighbor got me like that. He, he did it. I was like, his pastor must have been doing a similar service sermon. I came home, and, and like, he didn't do my whole front yard. He just did the part, like, that's by the street on the other side of the sidewalk. He just mowed that part for me. And I says, I know I didn't cut the grass yet, and it's cut. And then I saw him. I says, uh, I said, man, Stephen, did you, did you cut that? He's like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I was just you know, in the zone, and then I just kept on going. And I was like, oh, man, you could have kept on going. <laughs> like, moved over on the other side of the sidewalk. But then I returned the favor. And what I did, well, I, I did him, but then I did our other neighbor. So I'm like, we're going to start a trend. You know, we're going to, I'll do her. So I did her little, her little thing, but she was mad at me because she pays a landscaper, and my, you know, I had my, my more, you know, lowered a little lower. So she was kind of like, oh, thank you, but, oh, I was like, it was my son. I'm teaching him how to mow the lawn. He did it. <laughs> I'm going to have a conversation with him. Shh. Me and Jesus already made up for that lie. But seriously, he, he got me with that. And so I've done the same thing. Or one time um, I saw that he was cutting and he ran out of gas and uh, I saw him, you know, I'm just watching because I'm doing my thing. He's doing his thing. And I was like, yo, Steve, wait, 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 man. I got some extra gas. Here you go. With service. And so guess what happens? When I go on vacation, I call up Stephen and Cheryl, my neighbor, and say, hey, we're going on vacation. We got you. We'll collect your mail. We'll watch the house. Same thing. When they go on vacation, hey, Broderick and Erica, we're going on vacation. I got you. I'll collect your mail, and I'll watch your house. Man, it's a good system to have because one day they didn't tell us that they were hiring housekeepers, and the housekeepers came, and we calling every number we have for them. I'm like, this is a strange. There's a van parked in your yard. Call me back ASAP. Erica, you get on the phone, and you call Cheryl. We're going to keep calling until we get somebody. And they finally answered. They says, oh, we forgot to tell you guys we hired some housekeepers because Cheryl was pregnant, and so they need somebody to clean the house. But that's what the good neighbor policy does. And you know what? They love us, and we love them, and we get along, and everything is wonderful. And we got some people we can gossip with other neighbors about. I'm just playing. That's not what this is about. 
Here's the final thing you can do. Very practical. Y'all can do this today. It's so simple. Tell your story. Tell your story. I'm guilty. There's a neighbor in my neighborhood. She walks her dogs all the time. And I see her Sundays, like when she should be in church. And I cast judgment. I was like, man, she's a heathen. She should be in church. So one day I saw her, and we stopped, and we were talking and carrying on. And uh, I started telling her about our church. And she tells me about her church. I was like, oh, you, you go to church? She's like, yeah, we go to the, we have an 8 o'clock service at our church. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, I did, oh good, good. What's what your pastor preaching? I felt bad. I had egg on my face because I'm casting judgment on, you know you should be in church at this time, but this woman went to the 8 o'clock service. Just because she's walking her dog at 9 o'clock when I think she should be headed to church, that doesn't mean she's a Christian. But if I don't take the time to get to know her, how would I know that, right? If I don't invite her into my space and she invites me into hers so we can get to know one another, how would I know that? So I felt bad. I felt terrible about it. And so she had a kid recently, and I stopped and talked with her and, and you know, looked at the baby. Oh, the baby is so beautiful and this and that and started talking to her about church and her family and, and, the, and, the, and the dog. And she told me about somebody who was in her family who was sick, and, and, and I was able to pray for her right there because we've opened this door of being neighbors. I can never say her name, but I know her name. It's, it's an Anomaly or something like that. I can never say it. I just say, hey, A, how are you? Yeah, I just, we do initials. I can't say it. I don't want to mess it up. But nonetheless, we've, we've built a relationship. There's another guy in my neighborhood who does lawn service, right? And we've, 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 we've built a relationship because I hired him a couple of times and I was going to be out of, time, out of town to cut my grass. And so he did that. And we built a relationship. And his father, uh, there was always an ambulance or paramedic coming through the neighborhood. And I found out that was his dad who was like uh, really sick. And so uh, his name is Wayne. And Wayne Jordan is his name, as a matter of fact. And so Wayne and I became really good buddies. And so uh, sometimes he would cut my grass or he would give me like treatment for weeds for free. We had that kind of relationship. And uh, eventually, I stopped seeing the paramedics, and I says, Wayne, whoa, whoa, whoa. He was driving by, and I says, stop. And he stopped, and I says, how's your dad? He says, man, he's in hospice, man. They don't think he's going to make it. I've been meaning to stop by and see you. And I was like, oh, man, you know what? Let's pray. And so I prayed with Wayne and everything, and eventually, the long and short end is his, pa- his father passed away. And Wayne wanted to do this big thing. He wanted to, his father was a vet, so he wanted to honor him, like, uh, with a veteran ceremony right here at the, the, the funeral, I mean, at the uh, cemetery right here on Veterans Memorial at Mount Harmony Baptist Church. Well, I just so happened to know the pastor, right? And I says, well, hey, do y'all own that? He says, we don't own it anymore, but I know the guy who owns it because we sold it to him. I says, well, well what would it take for my, man, for my friend, my neighbor, to do a veteran's burial or ceremony for his dad? He wants the, the gunshot and all of this stuff, and they made some calls, and at the end of the day, I was able to call Wayne and say, yo, man, you got it, bro. And then I went and even made remarks at the funeral. I didn't know the man. I just knew Wayne. But it's because I was intentional about being a neighbor. Huh? Y'all can do that. It's easy. And oh, how, oh, telling this story? That's what I did. I told him, hey, I'm a pastor. So now I'm the pastor in my subdivision. Right? They come by, they want prayer. Huh? Pray for me. Listen, I pray for I don't pray for I don't pray for pets. Forgive me, pet owners. I don't pray for pets. I'm just not that type of dude. But I prayed for somebody's pet, like in the summertime. Their pet was getting a tumor removed, and I was like, mm, I don't normally do this, but since you ask because I'm your neighbor, I'll pay for pray for your pet. 
humans I pray for, but I don't know. Me and God, he ain't been clear about pets in heaven yet. So I just don't know if that, if that was just like a prayer in vain or not. I, I just don't know. Pray for me. <laughs> he hasn't said anything. Pray for pets. He said, pray for your brothers and sisters. I don't got no sisters named Ralphie. Listen, here's two main barriers to why we don't do this. And I got to wrap. I got to wrap it up here. Two main barriers. Ready? The two barriers why we aren't intentional about this. Time and fear. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on fear. I just want to talk about time. We are in a society, we are in a culture where everything is rush, 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 and it's all about me. We fill up our calendars with so much stuff, but never leave enough room for God. We fill up our calendars with stuff, but no room for God. And God is like standing there. He's like, listen, you see this right here? This is called blessing. It's got your name on it. It's gift wrapped just for you, but you're too doggone busy to get it, so I'm just going to hold on to it. How many of y'all have ever had a friend say, hey, I, got, I bought you this gift for, me, for your graduation, and just come by and get it? And you don't get it till like, the, like a year later. I know there's some people like that in here. I'm one of the people. I got a gift for some people. I haven't even given it to them yet. They just bought a house. Like earlier this year, I got a gift. I haven't, I've been to their house already and haven't taken it to them yet. Shame on me. But God has a gift that we have to get, but we're so busy filling up our calendar with stuff that doesn't even honor him that we won't get the blessing. We don't leave margin for God. We fill it up with stuff. And God is saying, listen, make time. All I ask you to do, listen, if you don't tithe, I'm not going to judge you too hard. If if you don't serve, I'm not going to judge you too hard. If, 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 if you don't do the outreach thing, I'm not, if you miss a couple Sundays, I'm not going to judge you too hard. But if you fail to love, doggone it, you can guarantee I am going to be upset. And the only way we can do that is to make margin in our schedules and not fill up our schedules with stuff that get in the way of us loving our neighbors. It, oh, I almost said the word. It pees me off. I almost said it. Help me, Lord. It pees me off that I was trying to get my kids involved in some activities. And when they told me that they, they practice or, or, or rehearse or whatever on Sunday, I'm like, why Sunday? You got six other days you can have a practice and evening times. Why Sunday? You may not love God, but I do, and my kids will not participate on a Sunday. One of the most successful companies in America is not open on a Sunday morning. They're kicking McDonald's and definitely kicking Burger King's butt, and they're called Chick-fil-A, and they refuse to open on a Sunday. They won't even let the laws and legislation of the land tell them that they have to open on a Sunday, and they are successful. So you mean to tell me that you cannot have your extracurricular activities on every other day except for Sunday? Bull, poo-poo. <laughs> Y'all get it. Y'all thought I was going to say it. I'm not going to do it. My, my mother's here. I'm not going to do that. But listen to me. That kills me. And here's the thing. We're so desperate to get our kids involved. We're so desperate to be connected. We're so desperate to be a part of something that we're like, oh, okay, Sunday school. You better find another program because you just told God this activity is way more important than you. 
It's way more important that my kid have a great future than me spending time with you. And God says, your kid won't have a future without me, baby. It irks me to no end. And we fill up our calendars with stuff that does not honor God. And I want you to get your time back today. I want, I want you to do that. Here's how you do that. It's very simple. This is also practical. This is very practical. You ready? This is very practical. This is how you create margin in your life. Very simple. Very simple. Slow down. Number one, slow down. Slow down. Pause. Chill. Slow down. Slow down. Come in the house. Greet your spouse with a kiss. How was your day? Then do what you got to do. Slow down. Talk to your kids. Slow down. Talk to your neighbor. Slow down. If we look over the Old Testament, Jesus was never in a hurry. His, his disciples may have been like, hurry up, you know, when he's feeding the multitude of people. They're like, we got to go. It's getting dark. We got to go. We got to go. Jesus was like, yo, chill out. Calm down, homie. We got this. Feed them. They're in a rush, but Jesus is like, no, chill out. We got this. You know who you're rolling with, right? I'm JC. You've heard of me. That's why you're rolling with me. I'm JC. Slow down. Slow down. Slowing down doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't. You can't say, you know what, I'm going to slow down, but keep on going. Slowing down requires intentionality. You have to be intentional. Here's how you do that. Look at your schedule and see what is really required and what is, well, maybe I cannot do that. Maybe, maybe I can put that off till later. Maybe, maybe, that don't have to be in my schedule. Look at that. There's some things in your schedule right now you don't have to do, but you like to do. Put that stuff away and, and, and be intentional about making time in your calendar. Here's the second thing you could do. Say no. I suck at this, by the way. I, I suck majorly at saying no. Matter of fact, it's so bad that when I did the Myers-Briggs test, it literally said that uh, I'm, a, I'm a yes man. And, and then it says, how do you cure that? Say no. It literally, I'm not joking. I can show it to you. I'll email it to you if you see it. It literally said, I need to say no. But then one of my mentors told me this. He says, everything you say yes to, you're saying no to something even more important. Whether it be time away from your family, time away from your mentees, time away from your church, time away from something that is more important that will give God greater glory. Every time you say yes to something and add it to your schedule, you have to say no to something else that's important. Right? Because if you look at your calendar, in your eyes, everything on your calendar is important. So as soon as you say yes to something else, all those things on your calendar that was important are not as important as this thing you just said yes to. Learn to say no. And the problem why, you know why it's so hard for me, and I don't know about you, it's so hard for me to say no because I want to be the one. I want, I, listen, I, I want my cape floating in the back. I want the S on my chest. I want to be the hero. And it's not for me. It's for God. I mean, and I always, that's my justification. I throw my God card out. I, I don't want to do this for me. I want to do it for the kingdom. But the truth is, it makes me feel really good. In all transparency. In all transparency. It does. It does. I can't help it. I have a heart. I feel good when I do good. Everybody feels good when they do good. You can't help it. 
But you have to say no. And when you say no, don't feel like you're neglecting something. No doesn't mean neglect. No means that you're intentional about serving and filling your needs. Some of y'all are walking around right now with your emotional tanks on E. You're running on fumes because you said yes way too many times. And you're wondering why you feel the way you feel. Because you don't know how to say no. You don't know how to take a time out. Jesus was not referring to you or God wasn't referring to you when he says, take a Sabbath. Yes, he was. He gave us the example. God, the great God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, rested himself. He paused and said, you know what, time out. Today I'm a chill. I think I've done enough for the day. So what makes you think you and your carnal self and your, and your flesh can do more than he can? that you don't have to rest. We all are required to rest. Learn to say no. Here's my final point, and I'm going to pray us on out. Be interruptible. Be interruptible. Goodness, man, y'all, y'all might not call me y'all pastor no more because this is another area I struggle in. And, and, I, and my justification is once again God. Kids come in, Daddy, Daddy, let me tell you about my day. Let me tell you, oh, oh, give, me, give me five minutes, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm in my zone. I'm in my zone. God has got a word. He's, he's, he's got this word. I got to get it out. I got I to work. I got I to pay the bills. I got I to work. I got to do this. I got to practice. I got a gig coming up. I got to make sure I'm tight. I, I got to get this money to pay the bills. And my kids are like, Daddy, what about us? Mm, that hurts. Just saying it out loud. And so... I've committed myself to doing way better. Nothing is, an important, is as important to me as my family. God spoke this to my spirit the other day. He says, the most important, the most important congregation that you'll ever shepherd is your home. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the pastor of a church, but they're my people. You're pastor of your home, them your people. And that's where your priority needs to be. So I don't care what I'm working on, unless I'm on a phone call. If my kids want me, I stopped sitting the other day. I'm off on Fridays, and uh, I was going to go hit the mountain. I told my wife, I'll, I'll hit the mountain. But then I said, no, I'm going I'm to I'm stay home and just kind of relax and just maybe watch some Netflix or something. Zone out to some Netflix, see what the latest thing is. And so I'm chilling, I'm relaxing. And it should have been my day off, but I started working on sermon stuff. I can't help it. I love, I love serving God. And then Sydney comes, and she's got her little coloring book and stuff, and she wants to sit right in my lap where the laptop is. It's like, ooh, laptop, Sydney, laptop, Sydney. But this is good, Sydney. And then we just took a pause, and we just started drawing pictures. And it was so refreshing and so wonderful and so beautiful, and it made her freaking weak. Not her day, her freaking week to just get some time with daddy and color. And I had green marker all on my hand, and one of my good shirts was ruined from the markers. But I don't care. My relationship with my daughter is intact. And most importantly, my relationship with my God is tight because he said, that's what I'm talking about, son. Now you get it. Your priorities are in order. Be interruptible. You may be in a rush to, to leave work, but somebody's sitting there and told you all day. You've asked them because they look depressed. What's going on? What's wrong with you? Nothing, nothing. End of the day, you ready to go home and like they finally have warmed up to the point where they want to tell you their business. But you're like, oh, I got to go. 
You've been asking me all day what's wrong with me. I finally got the nerve to tell you, but you don't have time. Yesterday, I was, sorry about that. Last week, I was interruptible. I should have been up here with the worship band doing my percussion thing. But somebody needed prayer. Somebody needed prayer. And that was an opportunity for me to be obedient, not to that person, but to God. And so I was interruptible. I dare you today to decide I will be interruptible. So here it is. And we're out of here. This is very good stuff to me. Be interruptible. Watch this. Life happens in the interruptions. Life happens when we step off the course that we've created and traverse the path that God made. I I came up with that quote myself. I was very impressed myself, if I do say so myself. That's, That's me. You can quote that. That's good. Life happens when we step off the course that we've created, our plans, our schedule, as Tia would say, our stuff, when we step off of that and traverse the path that God has made. He told us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. That means he's already created a path. If you would just put your stuff aside and jump on his path, I guarantee things would be much smoother. And when you add margin in your life and you allow for interruptions in your life, God then and only then can really begin to pour into you everything you've already emptied out. He can restore you. He can refill you. He can refresh you. But you've got to give it to him. The greatest lessons in life are not learned in the course. They're learned on a course. Some of our greatest lessons happen on a course with people that look different than we do, that live next door to us, that believe different things than we believe, that, 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 that act different than we do. But we have to be on a course with them. Amen? Amen. Hey, listen, here's my challenge for you. Come back next week because it's, it's getting deeper. Here's my challenge. I want you to connect with people that are aligned with your purpose and not necessarily your type. reason why many of us haven't reached out to our neighbors because they're not our type. They look corny. They look cheesy. They play loud music. They got spiked hair. He's strange. And this is for everybody, not just your next-door neighbor, but the person at work. Remember, remember back in the day in school, you used to sit at a certain lunch table because they were your type? And I just want to tell you something. The person that you think is your type may not be aligned with your purpose. So you need to line up with people who are assigned to you, people who are, li- who are maybe not like you but are aligned with the purpose God has for you. And the purpose God has for each and every one of us is to love everybody regardless of who they are and where they're from and what their story is. Our mission is to connect our story with our neighbor's story to God's story. 
Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.